project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with with medicalcodinggeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Also Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of our listeners listen with their iPhone and on Apple Podcasts. So please make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Please check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Also Classified on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me, Brian Kui, last name is spelled C-U-I, on LinkedIn. Today in the podcast, we continue our conversation with Jordan Johnson. Please make sure to check out part one of our conversation from last week. In today's episode, we continue our conversation about artificial intelligence, how a new system can reveal new problems, and we carry on our conversation with data analytics and data science, and so much more. So without further ado, here is my continuation of my conversation with Jordan Johnson. Enjoy. To give perspective for those that are listening, right? Uh, like, I, I come from a, a time when when when, meta, when records were paper, and this was the age before. Uh, when I got into HIM, 
people were in paper. And I think what, what drew me in was, uh, was a formula, healthcare plus technology equals success. When I got out of school, you know, I got a glimpse of a hybrid you know, record, paper and scan. And then I, I had the opportunity, even in CDI. So after, after I worked in the jail system, I got picked up as a CDI. And I was in the process of, uh, you know, the hospital going into, you know, like Epic, right? So they're going to go full uh, paperless system. And, and one of the, I actually attended before that uh, an HIMSS uh, meeting. Uh, where one of the one of the one of the children's hospitals in South Florida, I think Miami Children's Hospital, but that's not what they're called now. Uh, they gave their case scenario on how they implemented their electronic health record, and uh, the one thing that they that I got out of it, I was a student back then. When I got out of it, was that when they implemented it, it revealed the true problems. <laughs> it revealed the true problems that they didn't realize they had. And, you know, everything that was 100% became lower than what they expected. And it revealed a whole bunch of problems. And what happened is that they they didn't know how to handle those problems. And I think they had to work, you know, as as a, as management staff of their own department, they had to figure out, okay, now that we have a new set of problems, how are we going to fix that? Because the data reveals itself, as, you, as we mentioned before. Now, um, what was I going to say? Oh, that's right. AI. So going into AI, uh, you mentioned that it's not going to work. I agree because not now, because if everybody jumps on the board with people marketing their AI software, I think that's the marketing trick. Oh, we got AI. Jump on. I'll jump on with us. Uh, we got AI. Let's go ahead and implement that now. And you know what's going to happen the same way when I was sitting in that HIMSS uh, meeting with that case study, it's going to reveal a whole new bunch of problems. And yeah. I guess the real question is, are you ready for those new problems? You know, even before you even get into AI, are you ready for the problems that it's going to reveal? Like we're talking about now with COVID. COVID revealed a whole bunch of data uh, that we were not ready for. Uh, the um, the, the the integrity of of uh, the 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 COVID nineteen reporting like it's all up in you know all up in question. And you're talking about duplicates here, duplicates there, uh, false reporting here, false negatives, bad coding. Uh, you know, so will AI fix this? <laughs> I don't think it's going to fix this at all. Probably not, and that's really the importance of like so. CMS is totally driven for data. So like all these coders that have been capturing codes for years. We have, you know, we have it in radiation oncology. We have alternative payment models, value-based care is here, fee-for-service is leaving. It's based on previous trends of how things were coded right. per, per disease type. So I don't know if, you know, coders oftentimes don't realize how important a role they play of setting the precedence of moving forward, but all of it is data-driven. When they come up with these models, literally what CMS does now is they go in and they data mine and they look at you know, disease sites, fraction counts, all that stuff. They can mm -hmm. see all that. And from there, they're making decisions um, on how we're going to be reimbursed, which again is how we're going to be paid, who's right. going to have jobs. All that's being made on, you know, something as simple and we, we kind of get nonchalant with it, but it is accurate coding. Right. Uh, and I think, but that's, that's the core fundamental of data. And people think like you said, AI is this huge mythical creature and <laughs> this unicorn. <laughs> it's, just, 
Listen, I'm not anti-AI. I just think... We're not ready for it. Does it have its place in healthcare? Absolutely. Is it being used as leverage for a smokescreen to make sales? You bet your ass it is. <laughs> yeah. and a lot of people don't know the questions to ask. And they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to only get 12 months from now. And not only will they not have solved their problems, mm. they'll have another 400 problems on top of that. So they <laughs> yeah. So I totally agree. I think you have to connect the experts with the software. Um, it's never going to be software alone. Um, so I, I agree there. You know, data is an interesting field. I think a lot of people, you know, we didn't understand the data has always been there. Yeah. Now people, we have the computer programming to do stuff with the data. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way to get a positive uh, cancer diagnosis in the past was to have a biopsy. You got to have, if it's breast, you got to have an FNA, fine needle aspiration. You're mm-hmm. going to have a biopsy. Now, after 30, 40 years of CTs and MRIs, we have a field that's emerged called radiomics. And oh, what they nice. can do is with those CTs and MRIs, they can look at the texture, the surface, all these different data points within a voxel or a pixel. Mm. And it can actually diagnose within about a 99.5% nice. accuracy of like when you had a biopsy. Now, that is 100% data-driven, okay? It's data. It's literally, like you said, it's 30 years of CT scans that have now been uh, isolated, organized, reviewed, benchmarked, and now we have a standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think you know, you got to go retrospective before you go prospective. And a lot of people, um, they struggle with that uh, because they don't want to look at the, the old stuff because of what it may reveal. But, again, you can't start out um, – uh, down the right path until you know where you've been. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, that new technology. Was it radi- radiomics? Radi- uh, yeah, radiomics. Yeah, radiomics. Radiomics. So you mentioned how, you know, it takes previous uh, imaging, the behaviors, the textures. I, re- I remember back then when they, you know, when I used to see the, I, not that I saw the, the mammograms being done, but when the mammograms were being read, you know, they would take one of these little, you know, the the, the magnifiers yep. and they would go right up to the, even the screen, they would take it like that. And then the yep. film, they would do this. And, you know, and now it's remarkable that they don't have to really, you know, see the, you know, get a full close up and take a look at it and make a decision from there. You know, the, 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 the technology, they can leverage the technology, not the technology being controlled by them, but they can use it in a way that, you know, hey, look, we've seen previous images, we can help you out. Uh, and, and diagnose, you know, breast cancer to to a greater greater accuracy than just <laughs> looking at a magnifying glass. And those are the pilots being done, and CMS will actually pay for that. But radiologists can have a software that will read with them, mm-hmm. and it will give its diagnosis, and the radiologist will give theirs. Right. Now, again, is a lot of people are freaking out. Well, if it gets good enough for the radiologist, listen, we're not going to go there. Mm-hmm. The healthcare is not going to let. Um, a, a huge diagnosis for a patient anytime soon lie in the hands a hundred percent of a computer program. Right. It just won't happen. Right. Um, so I think people are freaking out over nothing, but right now tons of those trials are being run where it's doctor and it, he gets his confirmation you know, from the software. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. I think we need that. It's like a second opinion. That's great. Yeah. You need a second pair of eyes. If it's a, even a technology eyes, you know, that, that'd yeah. be great too. Now you're, you're talking about, you know, the, the idea of AI and radiology, you know, in, and because this is a HIM encoding, you know, podcast, uh, you see the same way with, with coding. You know, when they analyze the record, they see previous, you know, behaviors and documentation. 
they can see the best uh, code that can be applied to be reported. Uh, you know, and then it takes a coder or somebody who who's analyzing the codes to make that final decision before it goes to bill. Uh, the same way, even with uh, CDI, you know, we talk about CDI. I talk about you know how electronic health records are moving up and and they have this data. But now you're starting to see CDI software, you know, especially with the CDI metrics queries being answered, queries being agreed, disagreed, and no response. All of those things. What are the results? Uh, what is the what is the relative weight impact? You know that results in the financial impact uh, of the queries that are being placed. All of that data is being gathered, and I'm hoping, you know, because CDI to me is is always a speaking point for me. You know, they have that data, and I, I'm I'm wondering. You know, I haven't heard anything now, and I've I've seen some companies uh, such as Dr. Terrence Govender uh, with ClinIntel. They use data to leverage, you know, the best ways of uh, reaching out to the to the physicians to improve their documentation. They use their pra- their past um, their past behaviors and documentation, how things were coded, how things were reported, and saying, you know what, this is what you were doing back then. Let's see if we can get it better because uh, you're leaving some. You know, there are clinical indicators that are there, and your documentation is not you know indicative of that. And so. I'm hoping, you know, with a lot of, uh, you know, people who have those fancy softwares and those AI things and, and you're talking about natural language, natural language processing and all of that, are they able to leverage that? So that way they can, you know, not just send a whole bunch of queries, but now, you know, I, I, you see me talking about a lot of it in LinkedIn. Now is the time to leverage that data to, to reach out specifically to those physicians and educate them so that way. Rather than firing queries, you're just letting them know, hey, this is what your documentation looks like. Let's get it here. You know, let's educate you and get you better. Well, I think that's that's really been the problem. You know, I've built software in the oncology space to where we can analyze 100% of charges and look at accuracy. Mm-hmm. But you'll never be able to take away the human component of being able, exactly what you said, to review documentation for all the key elements, especially with E&M coding now. That's why they've changed E&M coding going forward in 2021, where it's going to be based on time and medical decision making. We're going to get rid of some of the some of the redundancies and duplicative work that was being done. But I think um, tons of leveraging and then tweaking these programs like my programs that I've built. We tweak those programs. It'll let us know where there's deficiencies. Then we can go look and exactly what you said, give targeted education in those areas instead of blanket umbrella education and hope it, you know, hope it gets there. I think that's why CDI employee, employees and coders, they don't realize, um, I think they don't realize their potential and how much power they actually have. Yeah. All the decisions that are being made are based on what they're doing. And I think they just see as I have a task and a job oftentimes, <laughs> they're not willing to go knock on that door, the CFO and those higher up people to say, mm-hmm. their managers and directors to really understand what could be done with the data. Because at the end of the day, Value-based care is simple. I've got to get to a certain outcome, but I want to get there with the least amount of resources consumed so I have a margin where I've made my money. That makes operations and actions critical. Mm -hmm. So if we have that coded, we're going to now relate the financial aspects from the coding to the operational, and then that's going to give us a new game plan. And I think that's where it's at. And sometimes they don't see how they fall in that mix. Now, some of that may be by design. The hospital may not want them to know that and be able to think that progressive. <laughs> and that makes total sense. You know, if that's the case, I probably would not have fit in there either. Yeah. Um, because my mind is going 90 to nothing. But mm-hmm. I think people have to be looking that direction because 
uh, value-based care is going to go there. And it doesn't mean coding is going to go away. Right. You're just not going to be using near as many codes as we go there because it's going to be based on a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're going to get paid was based on retrospective years. Like our ROEP right. was based on the coding from 2015 to 2017. Mm-hmm. That's where they, they set the base rates was based on that data. So, you know, that's what I told people. I hope y'all were coding correctly then because now you're going to get paid based on that. Um, so, uh, I don't know. It, it's all fun. I think a lot of people are just searching for, um, you know, where do they fit in in this new healthcare environment? And I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of it's driving initiative. If do not wait for it to come to you, you are going to have to go to it. Um, and the people that are going to wait, uh, again, make no mistake about it. Hospitals are there. It's already happening. They're trimming out certain areas um, that may not be needed. And so, like you said, how do you distinguish yourself? Yeah. How you distinguish mm-hmm. yourself is, is super simple. It's not on paper. It's, um, it's the not complaining, but it's drive, it's driving, it's initiative, it's bringing ideas, it's asking those important questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where it's at. Yeah, I, I like that point where, you know, you can't just be in a position and just wait to retire. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't do that. You know, they, they, they're, they're ready to, you know, they, they I think the, the word is settle. They don't want to, the people, sometimes they just like to settle in their position, get a paycheck and then just move forward and not be challenged, you know, to, to progress uh, what the true potential of their position and what their department and their role and whatever their industry could be. Uh, so there are a lot of people like, yeah, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'm good where I'm at. I'm not ready to, you know, you know, maybe they're at that point in their career that they don't want to, you know, uh, put any more effort into it and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you feel like that, then, you know, I, I, for my for my my biggest suggestion is always look to your line staff, especially the ones that are the young ones coming up. They have some great ideas, and, and sometimes, you know, it, it takes a somebody who's experienced uh, to kind of harness and, and to mold that that way of thinking. Like, hey, okay, what's your idea? You know, there are companies that you know kind of uh, they they. They like the the ideas. They like new ideas, and if it's gonna take them somewhere from where they're at to the next level, they're gonna look at it. They're gonna analyze it. They're gonna see, okay, what can we do to make that better? What are some actions uh, that we need to apply? What's the timeline that we can have this done? Uh, you know, those are things that you know I would like to see more in companies or more in departments or more in groups or in teams uh, that can happen. So. Let's take a moment for a quick break. I listened to a lot of podcasts, and one product that I was curious to try out was Magic Spoon Cereal. Magic Spoon is the high-protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, wheat-free, naturally-flavored, totally delicious, childlike cereal for grown-ups. Now you're probably thinking that it tastes like cardboard. I did my research on similar cereals and decided to give this brand a try. I subscribed to the variety pack that includes frosted, fruity, blueberry, and chocolate. 
and really to my surprise, they really tasted great considering that it was supposed to be a healthy cereal. So far my favorite is the fruity flavor. They also have nutty and cinnamon flavors too. I've already tried the variety pack for a couple months now and swapped out my subscription to try out their cinnamon flavor. Magic Spoon has 0 sugar, 3 grams net carbs, and 11 grams of protein per serving. They have a 100% happiness guarantee. If you are not completely in love with their cereal, they'll give you a full refund. So go to magicspoon.com and use our coupon code GEEK at checkout. Again, go to magicspoon.com and use our coupon code GEEK, G-E-E-K, at checkout. And now back to our show. A question that I do have, because uh, I see your background, and automatically we're talking data science. How did you get into appreciating, or how did you get yourself into being involved with data? It's all about, and, and and not for me. If it was for me, I'd be on a beach, but it's really all about the money. <laughs> I figured out for hospitals and, and practices and providers, if there's no margin, there's no mission. Mm-hmm. And so CPT codes, I had to learn all of that. Um, and mm-hmm. what all that was and how it worked, all the rules, the billing, coding, compliance, wow. AMA makes it, they own the code, CMS. I mean, all the rules and caveats and where they come from. Mm-hmm. And now I help write some of those rules and regulations wow, nice. on some of the panels, but it's data. It's at its core base. It was data. And then how can we relate that data to patient safety? How can we relate that data to um, financial viability, mm-hmm. to resource optimizing our resources, um, areas for financial improvement. And I think a lot of people just hadn't gone there. And that's, you know, since I was in the space, I understood oncology. Um, I understood what the headaches are, prior authorization, you know, the coding aspects. I was like, well, let me just start looking at it and picking out individual pieces. And then you would start to figure out and you would, what I noticed as a consultant. So this is why I had to step away from working at a hospital. Right. I had no doubt in my mind that what I was seeing at a hospital level was happening everywhere. Um, and then you get into consulting and you figure that out that yes, indeed more than more often than not, it's, it's occurring um, across the board. Mm-hmm. And so then you're onto something and that's where you can start really helping people and making that impact that I was looking for beyond just one facility. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Some people who work in, in just one facility, they only see data for that facility. And, and they think, <laughs> people think that because it happens at that one facility, it happens everywhere. It's like, okay, my facility is the standard. Now, it took me, uh, I was a CDI for 12 years, and that's all the data I knew. I knew the ins and outs. Uh, you were a level one trauma center. I worked in five facilities within that system. And I only knew that healthcare system. I only knew that the way of document documentation, I only knew their policies and procedures. Now, when I stepped away into auditing and, and started auditing records nationwide, yeah, big difference. It's a big difference. You see, like you know, not one facility is the same. Uh, you know, the grass is not greener on the other, on the other side, but and you also, see, you see, it's so the, the the problems are so vast. Yep. And to that point, what you just said is the exact reason 
a one size fits all AI software will never work exactly. because it's different everywhere. Their processes are different. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It just right. means they're different. They still meet standards. They still have to get, you know, certain um, accreditations and that kind of stuff, but there are different ways to do it. And I think to your point, and that's why I was glad I worked at different hospitals. Um, as I deal with people, they really think sometimes that if they've only worked for one way, like, we are the standard. This is the only way it can be done. Um, we don't want to hear any other ideas. Yeah. And that's where people really get in trouble because you become closed minded over time. Yes. Um, and that's why I'm glad that through LinkedIn, people are engaging. Um, they're reaching out and people are willing to kind of have these conversations because once you can do that, it's going to make everybody, it's going to make everybody better. The worst thing that can happen. And I hate it when I see, when I go into places to audit is, there's still groups of people. I call them keepers of knowledge. They don't want to show anybody or tell anybody what they know because in their mind, it's how they're going to keep their job. Right? Like, yeah. oh, if nobody knows what I do, they can't take my job. And that's couldn't be further from the truth. And I'm the first to tell people I'll probably give away more stuff for free, but like, this is how you do it. Let me know how it works for you. Uh, but I think if you have that approach, it changes. It's a cultural thing. It changes everything. I like that. I like that where it's like it's open source knowledge, you know, sure. like, you know, that's the idea. And, and I've done double people who are like, I'm not going to tell you my secret. I'm not going to tell you my secret barbecue sauce. Now, there was one um, I was I'm, I'm about to watch a new Netflix show. It's called Chef's Table uh, Barbecue. Right. And I was watching the preview and there was this lady who's been barbecuing for 50 years. Right. And in that little preview, she says, I'm going to give you the recipe. But then can you execute it? You know, that's <laughs> can you execute that recipe? You know, that's, that's really that's that is the magic philosophy. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that all the time, like, I'll tell you how to do it. But I can tell you that ninety nine point nine percent of people aren't going to put in the work and execute. Exactly. And that's where I'm going to beat you. 100% of the time, yep. I'm still going to be doing what I'm doing seven days a week. And again, it's not a bragging point. It's no. just what I do. But what I need other people to understand is then don't complain. If you're not where you want to be, or you don't get the outcome that you um, are expecting, um, uh, you know, there's caveats that have to come with that. And there's things, sacrifices you have to make and how far are you willing to go? Mm. Um, and a lot of it is just, there's no easy way. There is no magic pill. Exactly what you said. Execution is literally probably 99% of it, and that's the 99% nobody's going to do. I mean, Gary, I don't know if you know Gary Vanderchuk. Yep. He's a great mm -hmm. I'm a huge Gary V fan. Oh, nice. Um, have talked to him several times online. Oh, did you? Gary V, and I love him to death, says the same crap over and over, and that's what he'll tell you. I'm telling you the same thing over and over and over because you guys aren't going to do anything with it. Right. Yep. Um, and I think just like creating content, you know, we do on LinkedIn. I've been creating content on LinkedIn oh, nice. for seven years, eight years. We have a huge, what COVID's exposed is a lot of people are creating content, but the problem is, is they're going to expect a return next month and the return's not going to be there and they're going to be mad. But what they got to understand is it's a long runway process. It's not just, you know, we're going to create some content and do some education and next week we're on a cruise ship. It's just not the way it works. No, no. I um, mean, so when they fall off, I'm still going to be there doing I was there before you were doing, I'm going to be there after, just like you're going to be doing. And I think that's the key uh, to people is everybody's playing, trying to play a short-term game. I'm playing long-term. So. Nice. No, I, I like that. I like that idea where, you know, it's not a short-term fix for any problem. Yeah. Even when you're looking at implementing systems, you know, if you implement the system, again, there are going to be some problems. 
you have to run through that qualitative process. You know, you you identify the problems, you identify the solution, you implement the solution, you educate, and you do it again. You find that process, but it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to be again on that cruise ship, you know, taking a vacation and expecting well, your system to go in cruise control. <laughs> you know? That's a true story. That's a true story. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I like it, and that's why you know, as a consultant, I don't like band-aid fixes. If you really don't want to fix the problem, again, this goes back to my character, my integrity. But I may not be the right person for you. Right. If you're right. looking for a yes man, an appeasement person, a quick fix, a quick turnaround. Um, may not be. It may not. You know, uh, we may best not to start down that road. Nice. So could you tell me, what do you do as a director of data science? I've looked at all of your, you know, for those that are listening, you know, check out his profile. It's a great profile. He has a very extensive uh, background. Uh, Of course, that'll be in the show notes. But, you know, his LinkedIn profile is great because I see a great transition uh, from radiology to oncology to public speaking. (laughs) Maybe you could talk about that, too. Um, you are currently the owner and founder of Legacy by Impact. Let's let's stop that. Let's let's go into that. Uh, so what does that mean? I know you mentioned the you know the the, the little credential thing that you added in the last uh, part of your name, yeah. the, uh, the IMPACT. So could you tell me a little bit more about uh, Legacy by Impact? What is that? So yeah, Legacy by Impact. I mean, there's a website, LegacyByImpact.com. All the articles are free. Check it out. I try to update it. I haven't done it as much, but it really was a platform for other people too, if they had ideas, but it really is that non-conventional leadership stuff that the the tough subjects, nobody wants to talk about um, the elephant in the room and you're going to call it out. And I think that's really it because if you're really looking for impact and legacy, you got to go there. You got to go to those places. And essentially, you know, it was born out of, um, again, worked in oncology, um, you know, I, I wanted to do something really to give back and have a, a big impact. The problem with with leadership, or, and some people want to be, is it motivation? Is it not? Listen, it is what it is when you read it and how you want to contribute to it. And that's what I tell people. Go to the website, look at the articles. Some people don't like it. Um, some people really like it, and they get fired up about it. And, we wish, and they're like, well, I wish our institution would, would listen. <laughs> I think only wish. <laughs> but it's born out of, you know, I, I treated – I diagnosed and treated both of my parents. When I lost my mom, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do something and put something on the map. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to keep doing my thing as, you know, administrator, as director, but I'm going to have this, you know, as a, as, you know, as kind of a, a side gig and it's always there. It's always going to be there. Um, I like when people, you know, they'll send me an email and say, Hey, can I write? Cause I tell people, why don't you write about your experience? I'll post it. If you want to put your name fine, if you don't want to put your name, don't, but they can see the style of articles that are written there. And that's, uh, that's what it's all about. It's legacy by impact. And, and wherever I'm working, that's always there. Uh, we can always reference that. Okay, cool. And so what do you do now, uh, as a director of data science for Legion healthcare partners? Yeah. So, so Legion healthcare partners, you know, again, funny, funny story, how it all comes together was essentially some um, also some disruptors and innovators that got together and like, we're starting this company. Um, We want to go here, here, and here. And I'm like, I'm in, I was in the process of transition uh, from a character integrity standpoint. Um, Like I told you, character integrity is something, you know, you only get one time to prove it and you keep it. And so I had to make decisions to leave a previous job. Mm and that way I could stay on that path and then found Legion healthcare partners. And, um, they're wanting to do more, um, in healthcare, mainly the oncology space, looking at proton therapy, mm-hmm. but they're driving all these decisions by data. 
So they've, they've been administrators, they've been clinicians, and we put together a team of those kind of people. And it's amazing when you cut the bureaucracy, how fast you can move um, and really make an impact. And so as director of data science, what I'm looking at is um, how do these practices continue to provide uh, access to cancer care for these patients and remain viable because they're still a business. So are they leaving money on the table? What's their risk? Are they billing for things they shouldn't be? And if so, how do we fix that? And then it's really drilling down. It's, it's, it then gets into education for the physicians, yeah, for the hospital staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's full tilt consulting, but it's collaboration. So I don't, I don't say that I have a client per se, because a client assumes that they're here, they're there, but I know I'm, I'm engaged. I mean, I know what they're doing. I know where they go on vacation. I know what, you know, it, it's, it's more of a relationship and it's long-term. Um, and that's kind of how we drive and we do all that with, the, with their data. What does the future hold for Jordan Johnson? Whew, man, that's a, that's a deep question. <laughs> what does the future hold for me? You know, I don't know. I, I, I um, you know, short of, short of, uh, conquering the world. And, and what I mean by that is literally my goal is, is to leave an impact, but leave an impact, but my legacy, which is again, long-term play for me is far more important. So it's the consistency and what people will say about me. And again, I can do that in oncology. I can do that in any, any job specialty, um, as long as I stay consistent, but I've built an excellent network, um, of people, um, that, that have the same core fundamental values to drive off of each other, feed off of each other. Um, there's a big difference. I think, you know, when you get into this, you're going to find people that are, that have hidden agendas. Um, people that have agendas, they want to ride coattails. They want to see what's in it for them. You, you know, there's a book by Adam Grant. I'm not making a plug for him, but I do know Adam. It's called give and take and uh, everybody should read it because there's far more takers than givers. Um, but, I'm a giver, Brian, you're a giver. We're going to give, give, give. And I think people oftentimes confuse you because they're like, dude, what is his agenda? (laughs) People that meet me, I get that all the time. They're like, what the hell is this guy helping me for? Like he came out of nowhere. This guy's like setting stuff up for me. He's helping me. He's not sending me a bill. I'm like, because I can spot those people out. And if I can help you, great. And if you're super successful, do remember me one day down the road. That's awesome. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that now on the flip side, there's going to be some people that have those hidden agendas. Yep. You're going to have to learn to see those people. And you're going to have to cut those people out because yep. they will drag you down. Um, it's the gas tank model is how many people are. No one person takes all the gas out of your tank. When you do what we do and you have the big network, you're, you're working with 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people, and they're taking just a, a, a few gallons here, a half gallon here, a half gallon there. But who's putting gas in your tank? Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Is everybody, a lot of people just, they run on E. Man, you can't, you got to have somebody in your network that's, that's building you up and, and helping you out. So what I see next for me is the sky is really the limit. Um, I'm going to carry the current company, Legion Healthcare Partners, because I have a great front lines team, um, uh, excellent supporting management staff uh, uh, that sees the vision, sees the um, the impact and disruption far beyond the noise that's there. And and so we're going to go, we'll drive that to the top. And then, um, you know, I don't know where I go after that. I think, uh, you know, there's, I don't know what I have left. To, there's all kinds of stuff I want to do. So we'll just see. Uh, but it'll all be centered around helping people and impact, and, and it will probably be in the healthcare sector unless I open up, you already mentioned it, 
a barbecue restaurant one day. That'd be cool. <laughs> awesome. I like I like people. I like food. So I mean, hand in hand, you know, maybe that works out. That's cool. What is your best words of advice for our audience? If I'm leaving people with something, um, it's kind of what we talked about before. I think uh, the new age of healthcare is here, and your ability to add value um, is really in your hands. So it's going to be. There's going to be a lot of people, and there are. If you go to Indeed.com, there are job openings there. People are looking for, for quote-unquote, superstars. And what makes a superstar is not necessarily the credential. Mm. Um, I, and I can't stress that enough. So many people are running uh, to get certifications, credentials. Now, those may be a requirement to get your foot in the door, but it is not an indicator of how you're, you'll, you will perform over time at a job. And I think, um, you know, reach out to, to myself, reach out to Brian, anybody, if you're looking for some kind of mentorship or somebody, you know, to talk to, to, to build yourself and push yourself forward too. I do the same thing. It's crazy how, how open we make ourselves to help people mm-hmm. and very few people. I'm like, literally when I'm on stage talking to people, I give out my cell phone number and it never rings. Very rarely <laughs> does it ring. I'm like, That's the first step is just reach out. Like you reach out on LinkedIn um, because I think that so much can be learned and, and you're not going through anything that's, that's special that somebody else hadn't gone through. I agree. You're just not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's my job to give impact. It's Brian's job. That's what we do. Um, and so I think that's important. So yeah, the first thing I would say is make the connections and start the dialogue. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere in silence. You know, hard work is great, but hard work and silence is not going to get anything done. So there you have it. That is the conclusion of my interview with Jordan Johnson. You could find Jordan Johnson on LinkedIn. You could check out Legion Healthcare Partners at legionhp.com. Also check out Legacy by Impact by going to legacybyimpact.com. Medicalcodinggeek.com. Um. Yes. With the gosh, I forgot. I forgot what I was gonna say. Hold on. Let me think about that. Um. I had it in my tip of my tongue. Hold on. Give me a second. What was I going to say? Come on, Brian. It was going to move. Um, oh, yes. So 